Welcome to The Extra, the show that connects you with the issues, topics, and people that are important to you. Well, one topic that we need to tackle, the 2024 industry trends that portray a slight decline in mortgage rates, which is good news. But despite this easing, housing affordability and access remain a challenge for many across the nation. Projections are that uh, to reach 1 million people by 2050 with affordable housing, in the Pikes Peak region is employing innovative solutions for housing affordability and access to improve the quality of life and attract and retain a talented workforce to support local industries. So joining us this morning with insights on housing affordability and access, we're so pleased to have with us Jill Gabler, Executive Director of the Pikes Peak Housing Network. Welcome to the show, Jill. Good morning, Shannon. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. All right. Well, Jill, let's start by uh, introducing our topic today. The housing market, it surged in 2023, but industry trends signify a decline in mortgage rates going into 2024. So how is this trend likely to impact the local housing market? Well, I I think projections are are just that. They're projections. Uh, We are seeing a slight decrease in in interest rates, but... uh, it is, it is winter and uh, not a lot of houses are coming onto the market, not a lot of houses are selling. So even with a, a slight decrease, we're not seeing a lot of movement in, in home sales. And I think our, our community, just like our nation, we're all concerned about um, the political environment, we're all concerned about our, our own incomes and uh, inflation, and so people are are kind of nervous and maybe not uh, reaching out and, and making big decisions like like purchasing houses. Um, that that is a is a concern. We have we have so many people here in our community who are um, living in, in in spaces that are, are not big enough for them. They um, they can't afford to to buy or rent homes that. Um, that that they should be able to afford mm-hmm. in right now, and and we as a community aren't aren't building enough housing for the, our growing community, and uh, it's hard for businesses then to to move here and to remain here when they can't provide our city can't provide housing for for their employees. Yeah, or maybe even just turning it over because sometimes it's people who are moving away or uh, people who really need to downsize and they're saying, oh, the, the, the mortgage rates make me think twice and three times about doing this. <laughs> uh, what would be normal churn in a housing market just simply isn't happening the same way. And at the same time, Jill, I, I understand when it comes to housing uh, costs, the, the, the amount that we're forking over for our housing, uh, salaries, what are they doing? Yeah, salaries are not keeping up with the cost of housing. And Colorado Springs, for some reason, is faring worse than, than other communities along the Front Range. I saw some data yesterday for the third quarter of 23 that said um, it's called the Housing Opportunity Index. And it, it says that in Colorado Springs, only 21% of, of folks who earn the average median income can afford a home. And so that that's really concerning. Um, Denver even is higher at 24%, and Boulder is higher at 24%. So we are our, our wages in Colorado Springs are just not keeping up. And 
I, I think that that's a big concern. I mean, we can focus, as I do every day, on, on trying to remove the barriers um, to the, the cost of housing, but we also have to somehow work with our businesses to increase wages. Is that, uh, I, I guess, is that a a realistic attainable goal because I mean businesses you know they when you even when uh, you know there have been slight increases in the minimum wage which really doesn't affect the majority of workers who are working for more than minimum already um, but when you have these slight increases you often hear that you know some businesses won't be able to survive uh, making those increases no you're exactly right and I I am not making any sort of case for government intervention into um, wage earners and, and, and businesses providing a certain wage. I don't even necessarily believe in the minimum wage, but that's for another day. I think it's um, my job is to remove governmental and regulatory barriers to the cost of housing. And, and that, again, is, is getting government out of, of housing and trying to find ways to make it um, easier for, for developers to build housing, uh, making it less risky, um, making it um, our, our, our code, our city codes, uh, more amenable to allowing developers to build by right and not have to go through really expensive hoops to, to, to develop. And so that is where I'm, I'm focusing in, in 2024. Where, what are the economic benefits of affordable housing to our community, Jill? Well, you know, the Pipes Peak Housing Network, that's the organization that, that I run. We are um, a nonprofit, but we are situated inside the, the chamber and, and EDC here in Colorado Springs. And although we're not affiliated with them, they are, they're my fiscal sponsor. And um, I think that was a really smart move on the behalf of my board members who, who created this organization and really did, um, created that partnership with the chamber because we care about the same things. We care about employees who need to find homes and we care about the businesses that are are really are needing good employers employees excuse me and they can't find good employees if they can't provide housing our city can't provide housing that their employees can afford and so the chamber cares about this and there's of course affordable housing and that's for folks who earn 30 to 70 percent of the area median income but most of our employers employ people who can afford market rate or the attainable housing folks and those are the folks who earn 70 to 120 percent of the area median income and that's the, the market that I, I really am focusing on um, to ensure that we are building and maintaining enough housing stock for those those workers and if we can't do that then businesses won't Stay here. They will find other communities that are more affordable for their employees, and so we will. We are working on that hard every day. Um, data show that the people who move here generally are between the ages of 18 and 35, and so we we need those millennials, as we typically call them, to be able to find jobs and to find good housing, and. Right now, we're showing that about 85% of those folks say it's a really big problem to find affordable housing in Colorado Springs. Yeah, and you, so, as as employers experience feedback like that, it becomes then 
a little bit less attractive to build up resources or to transplant uh, maybe companies here. I mean, that's something that we've got to avoid uh, to keep this community vital. Uh, We need to take a short break here. Jill Gabler is our guest today, and we are talking about uh, affordable housing and how to bring about diversity in the housing access. Uh, We'll talk about more about this when the extra continues. You're listening to KRDO News Radio. Welcome back to The Extra. Our guest today is Jill Gabler, Executive Director of the Pikes Peak Housing Network. And as Jill was mentioning, it functions under the umbrella of the Colorado Springs Chamber of Commerce and EDC. And uh, that gives it a little bit more flexibility when dealing with some of these uh, real crucial questions uh, when it comes to housing, attainability and affordability. Uh, Jill, can you say what's behind the Pikes Peak region's housing affordability challenge? Well, that's a, a really big question, but I, I can try. <laughs> um, I mean, I think I don't think we're a lot different from any other community in the country. I think we're all struggling with trying to keep the cost of housing at a place where um, just average citizens can afford um, safe and safe and clean homes and and that is is a challenge but i think the folks who started pikes peak housing network were really trying to create an organization that focused on these issues all the time and we have a lot of different organizations that are focusing on a piece of it of course we have we have developers in our community who are who are trying as hard as they can to build and provide that supply of housing. Um, They, of course, have significant barriers, and so I'm here to work with them to reduce those barriers, and and we can discuss what those barriers are if you like. We have a lot of nonprofits in our community who are providing affordable housing, Grecio Housing, Homeward Pikes Peak, uh, Partners in Housing, for instance. I know I've left some out, so I I don't mean to do that, but um, they provide affordable housing and usually with some sort of program that that helps individuals and families to get back on their feet to get better jobs to get better education to get them that better job and so they play a huge role in trying to build up family units and get people out off the streets or out of transitional housing or off their out of their parents basements and um, so so those organizations are, are crucial um, there's a lot of, of different groups, the, um, the Home Builders Association, our Pikes Peak Association of Realtors, and the Chamber, who also really care about these issues um, because it's part of their work, and so they play a role too. And I think all of us together are really trying to build that, that, that huge support structure to try to work on these issues. Um, inside the housing network, I have a kind of a, a government affairs group. It's called, it's, we just renamed it, so it's called HPAC, which stands for Housing um, Policy Advisory Committee. And so that group is, is made up a lot of a lot of the, the folks I just mentioned. And we are looking at um, how we can work policy-wise to really impact housing. And as I'm sure you know, tomorrow starts the the legislative session for 2024 here in the state of Colorado. And, and housing is something that is really going to be addressed again at um, the, in, during this legislative session. And the Housing Network and these other groups I mentioned will all, all work together to try to ensure that our state government doesn't make the cost of housing more and that they really um, continue to allow 
communities like Colorado Springs to have local control over their codes, their housing codes, and their, their community um, ordinances around what we think housing should look like here in Colorado Springs. There, there is a huge push to have those decisions made at the state level. And um, I, I believe, and, and those who I work with always believe that, that government and regulation and, and laws are always best made at the most local of levels. And that we understand our community best, that we know what our citizens want more than the state does. And so I, I think working together, we can all address our housing unaffordable issues here in Colorado Springs and the Pikes Peak region. And um, I hope everyone will, will watch what's going on at the session and, and reach out to your legislators if it seems like we are um, moving down a path that, that is just going to add additional regulations that make um, housing more unaffordable. I can address a couple of those. With sure. You yeah, yeah, yeah. Can. Examples. Yeah, that'd be great. For instance, um, last year, in last year's session, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the legislator, legislature passed a law um, requiring you know, future homes or, or certain types of housing, especially um, multifamily, to only have electric um, generation. So you couldn't have, they won't be able to, they won't have gas lines, for instance. A lot of us have gas lines to heat our water. Um, I have gas for my stove. I certainly do some heating with gas. And gas tends to be more economical for our citizens. It, it costs less than, than electric. And so that requiring future building to only have electric heating and is, is going to cost our community more money. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The, they, the, the state also last year tried to move a lot of our housing policies to the state level and require us to have um, all types of housing. I mean, it's, it's, I won't go into specifics, but really just forcing their, their will on what our city housing code should look like and how we should be developing in the city of Colorado Springs. Um, we agree with the state on a lot of the things that they're, they, they want. We want more accessory dwelling units. We, we want more multifamily housing to be built by right and not have to go through a lot of hoops. Um, but we, again, think that should happen at the local level. We want our, our community members to have a voice on projects and whether something fits in their neighborhoods, whether it makes sense um, locally to have certain types of development. So we will fight for that in, in this legislative session to make sure that, uh, that good policies move forward that don't raise the cost of housing for our community members. Because there is a difference between attainable housing and affordable housing, right? There, there definitely is. Affordable housing is usually in some way um, <clears throat> um, funded. It has, it has some sort of benefit from, from state or federal government, so it's subsidized. Um, that, as it's being developed, it's, it's getting uh, maybe tax-free loans or, or some sort of benefit from the federal government that offsets the cost of development. And so when the developer can build a, a multifamily um, housing property cheaper, then they can um, offer lower rents to their, their renters. And um, that is, and, and renters, of course, who earn um, 
30 to, to 70 percent of the area median income. So they're, they're lower income wage earners. They qualify to live in that, that housing. Um, the attainable housing, as I mentioned before, is, are usually those folks, we call them the, the, the middle income folks, and they usually earn up to 120 of area median income. And so they can afford a higher, a higher housing cost, but there's, they, they don't get any sort of subsidized housing. And, and a lot of times they really struggle to find housing. There, there aren't enough units being built in that um, housing Segment. demographic mm -hmm. for them. And so we really need to ensure that we're focusing on that. There is, I'll give you a for instance, there's a property up north. It's actually behind um, UC Health and Children's Hospital up there off of Woodman. Mm -hmm. And there is a property, a, a, a property owner who, is, who wants to build um, an, an apartment property, and it has a like 230 units, 71%, um, 71 of those units are set aside for affordable housing, which is a great thing for, for up north. We don't have many units, apartment units up north, fewer than 1,000 apartment units are in the city of Colorado Springs north of Woodman Road, and yet we have so much business up there. I mentioned the hospitals, there's, there's a lot of restaurants and, and supermarkets. It's close to Denver and so the folks for people who commute. work at all those yeah. places have to drive far away to find housing. But um, there are community members fighting the development of this project. And so the housing network will fight to ensure that this, this project can get built because it's so important for our community. And um, so, so please watch. Tomorrow that, that project goes to the Planning Commission and we will be there to, to ensure that the private property rights of these owners um, can move forward and we can build some units in our community. Okay, we, we need to take a break here. Jill Gabler is our guest today, and she's with the Pikes Peak Housing Network. And you can find out more by going to their website, pphousingnetwork.org. We need to take a break here, Jill. I hope you stick around. I know you will. Uh, when we come back, more with Jill Gabler when we're talking about affordable and attainable housing. Welcome back to The Extra and the show connecting you to the issues, topics, and people that are important to you. We're looking at the trends, the trends in housing with our expert on the line, Executive Director of the Pikes Peak Housing Network, Jill Gabler. And uh, we've been talking about all the various forces that are right now influencing where our housing stands, which is a lack of uh, available housing, uh, not the churn that we're used to seeing, uh, not the kind of market that we're used to seeing, and that can cause impact on people being able to find attainable housing. Uh, so Jill, what are some of the local initiatives on affordable housing? Let's talk about those. So for affordable housing specifically, I, I mentioned earlier we have numerous um, nonprofits mostly that are, are always working in this space to provide affordable housing for our lower income community members. And um, most notably, I think Grecio Housing and uh, Homeward Pikes Peak um, and uh, Partners in Housing are really doing good work in this arena. And, and, it's, and it's really important, and they can't do it alone. They work with the City of Colorado Springs and El Paso County to receive flow-through dollars from the federal government that helps them to build um, affordable housing and then to provide 
services for their renters, their 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 clients, um, to to help them to 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 lead better lives, to to get better jobs, to get uh, maybe some education, even to do um, what we would call financial literacy to help folks who have have struggled maybe with credit card debt, things like that. And so they are are really doing good work in this arena. And um, my my job is to help them to to find the the funding that they need, um, potentially to help them find land so that they can 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 find a place to build. And then when their projects come before the city council for approval, um, to really bring an army of supporters to those meetings who can speak in support of that kind of housing development. We are we are seeing a lot of folks in our community. Um, fight housing developments, and um, they do it because they care about their neighborhoods. They're, they're worried about traffic, maybe they're, they're worried about having, having too many people in their neighborhoods, um, in their parks. Um, we hear more and more about people being concerned about evacuation if there were a fire again. And, and of course, we, we understand in Colorado Springs how scary that can be around, around having, fire, having a fire and, and trying to evacuate safely. Um, so the housing network is really working on, on putting together good messaging for these projects so that we can alleviate the fears and concerns of these homeowners. We, we do know that, I mean, adding an apartment property with a couple hundred units isn't really going to increase traffic, and often it can reduce congestion and traffic because the people living in those apartments are now living closer to where they work, so their drive time is less, they, they, they are saving money on their transportation costs, and so that's, that's really important. Um, we also have really good data that, that shows, I mean, adding an apartment property here or there in a neighborhood isn't going to make evacuation harder. Um, and the, the most important thing is that we see nationwide that when we have diverse housing types in a neighborhood, it's good for everyone in that neighborhood. Um, it usually creates a more walkable community and you see more people out walking on their, their sidewalks, which actually helps to reduce crime in neighborhoods. It increases mental health because people are talking to their neighbors, they're keeping each other safe, they're building community bonds and taking care of each other. So there's, there's a lot of good things around building affordable housing and attainable housing in a neighborhood that is, is maybe mostly just single family homes. And the Housing Network is here to get that message out and help our developers, especially those affordable housing providers, to, to get their, their projects built in our community to provide that housing that is so needed by our community members. Now, there are resources out there in the community for people who need uh, housing assistance, whether it's rent, utilities, what have you. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you maybe give us an overview of that? Um, I can do a little bit of that. They're, they're actually, even when the... the legislature met in special session, they added about, I think it was around 30 million to the eviction, excuse me, eviction <laughs> reduction funds. And that those um, funds are, are given out to nonprofits in, in our community to help community members um, not get evicted. And so a lot of people, I mean, people don't realize that it takes, it takes one, um, 
car failure, one trip to the emergency room, and suddenly folks don't have the, the money they need to pay their rent on time. And if they don't have savings, which a lot of our community members don't, they're working paycheck to paycheck, and I'm sure all of us have been there, um, they may need extra funds to keep themselves from getting evicted. And so our, our state legislature and the federal government also has provided funds to keep folks from getting evicted. I, I know there are um, organizations that, that share these funds with our community. I know Gresio Housing does it. I believe Westside Cares does it. I'm not sure what other organizations are providing that funding. But we know that it costs so much more to, to help a family who has gotten evicted to then get rehoused mm -hmm. than it does just to support them during that very short time that they may need some financial support to get back on their feet after a one-time you know, emergency. So mm -hmm. there, there is that support. And as I mentioned before, a lot of these organizations, um, for instance, Homeward Pikes Peak, they have an affordable housing component, but they also have a transitional housing component. So does um, Partners in Housing, where they bring folks who are potentially homeless off the street and they provide them support for two years to get them back on their feet. And that could be um, getting them a job, but it also could be an addiction, and if somebody is struggling with addiction, to get them that care they need to get to get well. And then once somebody is, is healthier, they can then um, build their lives professionally and, and emotionally. So there are a lot of groups doing that, and our and our local governments are doing that too through um, through different programs and our, our housing authorities um, to to get folks those that care. Um, specifically, I, I should call out specifically for our veterans. Um, we have so many veterans that who are homeless, and we have programs, especially through Mount Carmel Veterans Center. Um, reach out to them if you know anyone who is is homeless, struggling with addiction, um, potentially getting evicted from their home. The uh, Mount Carmel Veterans Home Center can can really really help them to get back on their feet. Right, our veterans have done so much for us. As a nation, we, yeah. we definitely should make and sure they, they have this. Their their um, income. I mean, our federal government is just not paying them our active duties and what they deserve, and our and our veterans are really struggling too. So, um, we as a nation really need to step up and, and take care of our veterans and our active duty military members. Jill Gabler is our guest today here on The Extra. When we come back, more with Jill and talking about affordable and attainable housing in the Pikes Peak region. You're listening to The Extra on KRDO News Radio. We're back with The Extra, our final segment here. Chance to talk with Jill Gabler, Executive Director of Pikes Peak Housing Network, which is under the umbrella of the Colorado Springs Chamber and EDC. And uh, as we continue the conversation about uh, growth and about housing, uh, is there, uh, is there any validity to some who say we need to restrict growth so that we don't have this kind of problem? I, I mean, that's, that's a great question, and uh, you're right. We are hearing that question more and more, and we can look to other communities to see how that may or may not have worked. Um, Boulder, Colorado is one of those um, communities that put a growth boundary around their city and said, we will not grow more than this. And 
all it did was um, significantly raise the cost of housing to the point where the average cost of a home was almost a million dollars. And so to be able to live in, in Boulder was almost an impossibility for any average person. And so people started moving out into the unincorporated areas and communities nearby, which only puts a stress on transportation costs as people are, are driving long distances to get to their work. And I mean, we don't, we don't want that either. We don't want people who can barely afford to, to find an, a, a one-bedroom apartment to then have huge transportation costs because then they are not being able to afford food and the, the other costs that they have that is, it, is just not healthy for them. So we in Colorado Springs have to find ways to grow well. And I mean, to be fair, our city is geographically huge. We are 200 square miles of city. And um, as you know, we have this an enormous area of our city to the east in Banning Lewis Ranch, which is a, a now a third of our land mass. And so we have a lot of land and we need to um, ensure that we are looking to build within our city before we continue to annex outward. Um, we call that infill building, infill development. And infill development we know is, is far cheaper for, of course, development. And it's far cheaper for, by half, um, for a city to provide services to. So, I mean, if you're building um, an apartment property inside the existing city, then it costs about half for the city to, of course, put utilities there because the utilities are already running there, to provide public safety, police and fire there because police and fire are already um, taking care of that area, and, and just to provide roads and maintain those roads. The city is already doing that, so it costs the city far less to maintain. That means it costs fewer taxpayer dollars to maintain infill development. So, so we want to ensure that we're, we're growing well. We are growing in, in, through infill, but we're also understanding that um, we may need to annex further to provide um, sufficient growth for our city where that makes sense. Uh, we know we have water issues in our city, so we have to make, we always have to work with utilities to ensure that any annexation we are doing um, will have, that we will have enough water to provide for our current residents before we take on providing water for new residents. And that as we grow, we, our police force, we know that um, we are down about 100 police officers, that we have enough police officers and, and firefighters to provide public safety for a growing city as we grow outwards. Um, we call that windshield time, the, the amount of time a police officer spends in their car getting to an incident. I mean, as that grows more and more, I mean, that then an officer can spend less and less time actually protecting our citizens. So it really is important that we, we grow well, but trying to say we're not growing anymore will not work and it will only force our community members out into the unincorporated areas. And, you know, you talk about us not having water. Water out in the county um, where there are, they are on wells or surface water, that water is diminishing far more quickly. The city of Colorado Springs and Colorado Springs Utilities has done a great job in securing water for our community for decades to come. And so we need to trust them in the city of Colorado Springs that they have enough water for our growth. Um, 
and and the housing network will of course work with all of the developers to make sure that that they're working with the city and the utilities so that they can um, present and and projects that that will really be a benefit to our community, our community members, and be affordable for our community members into the long term. So, Jill, you've touched on it appears uh, some of the you know long term and short term goals of the Pikes Peak Housing Network. But uh, let's talk about you know where those intersect and what other trends you foresee driving the housing market as we look into the year ahead. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think as we talked in the very beginning of this segment, interest rates will be a huge issue, and so we will continue to watch how interest rates go. I mean, it's an election year, an enormous presidential election year, so anything could happen. And I, I, I don't think we spend enough time thinking about how politics <laughs> impacts everything in our lives. Um, we just saw that... Um, Congressional District 5, um, mm-hmm. Representative Doug Warren is not going to, to continue serving as our congressman, and who we choose in that role could significantly impact our region. We need somebody in that role who, who cares about housing, but also um, understands that supply and demand are, are the biggest factors of, of housing in, into the future, so we need to reduce barriers to, ha- to housing development, keep the cost of housing low, ensure that um, we're not putting added added fees for development. Um, we have so many fees. Um, I mean, I could do a whole se- segment just on, <laughs> on our fees. Um, but, but trying to get rid of fees maybe, reducing fees, and, and our, our elected leaders play such a huge role in that. We need leaders that, that aren't going to think that, that government is the panacea for housing because they're not. Government needs to get out of the way and let the developers and our, our business people really move into this arena and, and drive um, the supply of housing in, in, in Colorado Springs and the Pikes Peak region. Well, Jill, it's been a fascinating conversation to learn what's happening uh, under the auspices of the Pikes Peak Housing Network. And if listeners uh, have been intrigued by what they're hearing or want to weigh in on the conversation, feel free to check out their website, pphousingnetwork.org. There you can also uh, reach out to Jill's staff if you have any questions about some of the things that we're uh, talking about. Jill Gabler, I'd like to give you a big thank you for joining us here on The Extra. Thank you so much. I, I, I loved having a having an hour with you. So thank you, you bet. so much. And Anne. hopefully next year, if we do this show again, we may have some uh, real big wins that we can talk about when it comes to uh, finding a better uh, match between the housing that's out there and the number of people seeking it out. Jill Gabler has been our guest on this hour of conversation here on The Extra. We have Tom Martino coming up after the break. I'll be back again tomorrow, 9 to 10 a.m. from or conversation that impacts you here in the community here on The Extra. Have a great day.